Respected brothers, respected elders, mothers and sisters listening at home The third day of the battle of Qadisiyah Has been given the name as Yawmul Amas In the books of Islamic history The third day of the battle of Qadisiyah Has been given the name as Yawmul Amas In the books of history 700 Mujahideen came as an extension from Syria sent by Sayyidina Abu Ubaidat ibn al-Jarrah this was on the third day Yawmul Amas under the leadership of another prominent Mujahid a great fighter a champion in the battlefield another great name Hazrat Hisham radiallahu ta'ala Before we continue furthermore on to the events of the third day Yawmul Amas what we have to understand is when you are standing in the line of fire in the battlefield Maidan Jangme the atmosphere is completely different to what we the people of the city can ever perceive what we can ever imagine the battlefield is completely different we can never understand the reality the environment what it must be for the Mujahideen to fight you have to be extremely careful every soldier has to be vigilant he has to be in the right frame of mind he must know what is happening around him, has to be careful at all times. The eyes must be open to see what's in front, what's behind you. And above all, a lot of encouragement is also needed at times. Boosting, some incentives must be given. That is why ulama have mentioned, the most difficult responsibility is the responsibility of the Amir of a Muslim army the Amir of the Muslim army his job is the most difficult job not only does he monitor the conditions of the Mujahideen but he must have the full knowledge of what is happening all around him with the Muslim ranks and also the ranks of the enemies 
That is why we see Sayyidina Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala an, one of the most senior Sahaba of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He chose the best place for himself as an Amir. Right on top of the hill, the battle of Qadisiyah beneath him, to have a bird's eye view of everything what is happening in the battlefield. Who is going in, who is exiting, what is happening, everything was in total view for Hazrat Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala. It is as if the Hazrat Sa'ad was on top and he was just looking at everything around. So the Amir has got an immense, immense responsibility. Boosting of the soldiers, giving them the incentive to fight, mashallah, that spirit of Iman, so that they are in that mood, a fiery mood, to fight for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the right intention, that is very important. Now to stay on the same line, if anybody wishes to understand the genius that Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala an was. Uh, today Marana Dawood Sahib talked about Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala an even the Islamic calendar uh, which starts with the hijri of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This work of uh, Islamic calendar was also taken by Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala. This is another subject. But the genius that Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala an was not only was he intelligent, but he was, he was also given wisdom. What we need to do is reflect upon some of the actions that were taken by Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala an in the few days of the battle of Qadisiyah. Now on the third day, a man arrives from Madinatul Munawwara. Precisely on the third day, Yawmul Amas, a man comes from Madinatul Munawwara, sent by Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala an he has a load of caravan, in fact trunks that are filled with weapons. Trunks that are filled with exquisite priceless swords. Now what more boosting would a Mujahid want than to see in front of him, mashallah, a solid supply of arms. Solid supply of arms. Now these were not just ordinary swords. Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala had a very keen eye for weapons. Very keen eye. He himself had a stock of swords. Different swords. And it is said that the wife of Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala knew exactly what sword to take out for the day to be given to Umar radiallahu ta'ala. Anyone here? Mothers, sisters listening at all? So every day in the morning she knew exactly what to give to Umar radiallahu ta'ala. And some women have this knowledge, subhanallah. Allah best bless Amma Khadijatul Kubra. What a woman she was. Allahu Akbar. She understood everything about Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa Everything. She would see the face of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and comfort him. Anyone who has been given a pious woman in this world, subhanallah, he has tasted a glimpse of Jannah. He has tasted a glimpse of Jannah. But this again is not the topic. So he was a man who had a, a keen eye for weapons. Now these swords that came, were not a few, a few thousand. These were swords that were tailor-made and designed by Umar radiallahu ta'ala. 
designed by who? Amr Radiyar. Razor sharp. MashaAllah. Very sharp swords. To be gifted to every single Mujahid participating in the battle of Qadisiyah as, as an encouragement. As an encouragement to boost them up. These were not badges. These were weapons given. MashaAllah. SubhanAllah. And Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu ta'ala knew exactly he would follow the hadith of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Tahadu tahabu. Give gifts and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bond you with your fellow Muslim brother. Allah will put the love of your brother in your heart. Today we forget this sunnah. We know the sunnah of miswak, we know the sunnah of a beard, we know the sunnah of an amama, we know this sunnah, we know that sunnah. And we quickly come to a, jump to a conclusion when we see someone who hasn't got a long beard, but yet a fasik fajir hai. This is not the, uh, the right image that we should take for, for someone who hasn't got even the sunnah in front. We as Muslims should, should, should consider ourselves to be very, very weak. Uh, look at the beam in your own eye before you look at other people. The fault that is inside you. Nevertheless, that, that, that does not mean that uh, we take any sunnah to be very, very light. The sunnah is to follow the sunnah of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And so he gifted the swords to every mujahid participating in the battle of Qadisiyah. Sword is considered to be the most precious commodity for the Arabs. Sentimental value. Sword is something that they would treasure all the time. Sword is something that would be with them under the pillow. This is what was the sword for them. Something that was uh, treasured. This ki bahad ziyada thi. Subhanallah. Just uh, one event that comes to mind. One very uh, thin, weak Sahabi, physically, Hazrat Abdullah ibn Masood radiallahu ta'ala an, who played a role in the killing of Abu Jahal also with the two youths. When Abdullah ibn Masood killed uh, Abu Jahal, he sat on the chest of Abu Jahal. So Abu Jahal said to him, Oh, do you know who you're sitting up? This is the takabur they have. He's about to get slain and he says, Oh, do you know what you, who you're sitting on? That's Abu Jahal. The kibr, the arrogance that he said. He said, So when you cut my throat, make sure you cut it at an angle so that when you put all the heads, my head is high. My head is high. Abdullah ibn Masood finished him off and he showed the head to Hazrat Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came to his body, lifted up the hands and praised Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A kafir, badmash, mal'oon is dunya se chala gaya. He was a man, he was the fir'aun of this ummah. He was the fir'aun of this ummah. He troubled Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the companions. Now, Abu Jahl had a sword. This sword was a powerful sword. Abu Jahl was a strong man himself. And this was a very expensive sword made out of fizza, pure silver. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gave this sword as a gift to Abdullah ibn Masood. Abdullah ibn Masood. So, giving swords was the right thing for Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala an to do. You understand what I'm saying? This is the genius that Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala was. 
even though sitting in Madinatul Munawwara, he is playing an active role in Syria with the Romans, in Persia, with the Iranians, and everyone at large. MashaAllah, he is everywhere. The du'as of Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala are everywhere. He is there interacting, sending messengers and receiving messages. This is what you have to do. This is what you have to do. Subhanallah. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam himself had many swords. The very famous sword of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is, is what? The name? Zulfiqar. Kya hai? Zulfiqar. Zulfiqar. And that is what uh, Zulfiqar Ali Bhutto, the late... Uh, President of Pakistan warned the United Nations and he said that if India was to be become a nuclear country by God Pakistan will also become a nuclear country and that is a promise. So what did he say? He said if India becomes nuclear I will make sure that Pakistan also becomes a nuclear country. Khair, this is something else but the name Zulfiqar one of the names of the sword of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa Another famous sword. Anybody here? Give me the name of another sword. Qazib. Kya naam? Qazib. Kya naam? Qazib. Sword of Rasul sallallahu Another famous sword of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Mikhzam. Kya naam? Mikhzam. The name of the Amama of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would want to give a name to everything that he owned. Everything that he owned. Now the name of the Amama that he owned. As-Sahab, with seen. As-Sahab. Sahab means uh, a very high cloud. As-Sahab means a very high cloud that is suspended up in the heavens. Cloud. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ki bari khubsurat chadar thi. Aapsat hai hi khubsurat. Uh, a beautiful shawl a beautiful shawl and at times he would tell the azwaj mutahara go and get my al-fatah go and get my al-fatah and the name of the shawl was also al-fatah the name of the shawl was fatah umar's car what's what's the name of your car ha huh, umar shaky ha mashallah ask the private plates hote hai bhai we won't ask about idris what car he's got huh? nevertheless but Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sunnah was to also give everything that he owned names. Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala knew exactly what to do on the third day. So he gave them a good supply of arms. He'd never ever would take a shortcut, undercut anything. When, when if you study the seerah of Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala he gave all the mujahideen a good stock of weapons. This is Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala. He understood the verse of the Qur'an. Surah Anfal, verse, ayat number 60. Surah Anfal, ayat number 60. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَأَعِدُّ لَهُمْ مَسْتَطَعْتُمْ مِنْ قُوَّةِ And prepare against them whatever forces of strength you can muster up. Prepare against them Whatever forces of strength you can muster up. Whatever you can take with you in fighting, you should take. Subhanallah. This ayat karima was revealed when Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam migrated to Madinatul Munawwara. The Meccans, kuffar Makkah, did not want to settle. They did not like uh, the Muslims 
to, to have an easy life in Madinatul Munawwara, what they would do is stir up um, relationship with other tribes in the Arabian Peninsula and get them on board and be their allies and to fight the Muslims. This is what they would do, launch attacks. And this ayat karima was revealed to Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now in order to defend your city and in order to defend the faith of the people, what Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was commanded was, mashaAllah, to have a keen eye also in the making of weapons. A keen eye in the making of weapons. Weapons is very, very important so that you can defend yourself. So that you can defend yourself. That is vitally important. And Mufti Muhammad Ashik Ilahi, uh, commenting on, on this verse that I have read, he says, this is a beautiful verse of the Qur'an, which is very general in its context. And he says that this ayat karima includes every type of military preparation. It includes every type of military preparation. Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala understood this. In one hadith, Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Behold, forces of strength is in archery. Forces of strength is in archery. He said this three times. Behold, forces of strength is in archery. Forces of strength is in archery. tumhari quwwat archery mein have explained this hadith. What Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam here has carefully mentioned archery three times is because archery is a weapon that keeps your enemy at a distance from you. It keeps the enemy at bay. Obviously if you're going to shoot an arrow, you're not going to shoot someone if he's extremely close to you. If someone's close to you, what will you use? The sword. So if you want somebody to stay at a distance from you, in those days you would have a group of people and they would shower you with arrows. And so the enemy would be at a good distance. So Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is saying that archery is your best weapon. Why? Because it keeps the enemies away. But subhanallah, the words of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam are so beautiful. Muhaddisin have mentioned that the key word in the Arabic language is archery. What is it? Archery. And in the Arabic language, archery is referred to anything that is thrown. Anything that is thrown. So the muhaddisin, contemporary ulama and mufassirin have mentioned that by mentioning the word archery, Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam has reminded the Muslims of the year 2006 and 7 that when you can throw something that also includes things like missiles and rockets. This also includes things like missiles and rockets. So when you say archery, it was for that time. But in the word archery, it also includes missiles and rockets. And this is the verse of the Quran. وَعِدُّ لَهُمْ مَسْتَطَعْتُمْ مِنْ كُوَّةِ Surah Anfal, ayat number 60. A few days ago, I was reading an article, something that fits the subject uh, perfectly today, what we are covering the very first book written on the subject of military technology military technology was written by a Muslim scientist was written by a 
Muslim scientist. In fact, no other book was written before this book. And he was a Syrian scholar. Science Danta. His name was Hassan al-Ramma. What was his name? Hassan al Hassan al-Ramma. His book was published in the year 1295. No other books before that. This book was such a great book that for the first time it gave the world a, a documented diagram of how a rocket is made. How a rocket is, is made. How missiles are made and it gave information of all its vital components. In fact, the rocket shown in his book was uh, so technologically advanced that even the National Airspace Museum in America, Washington DC have exhibited the first model that was shown by Hassan al-Ramma in his book. So if you go and visit the National Airspace Museum in Washington DC today, you will find this model of a rocket that has been taken out from the Muslim book written by Hassan al-Ramma and his rocket shown was far more superior at that time and so they were taken back and this is still displayed today when they talk about what have Muslims contributed what have Muslims recently in the newspaper you had this Mr. Nazir chap who's a, a priest Nazir Ali so and he was saying that, you know, the Muslims have now started giving the azans from the minaret and this is very scary for the people. It's frightening the people. What is he doing? Diwali ke phatake ye kuch Diwali ke phatake don't frighten, no. The messing around on the, at the time of New Year celebrations and, you know, the church bells that ring. Subhanallah, what, what do you call democracy? If you go to Muslim countries, in fact, in the time of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Christians and Jews had the freedom to do whatever they wanted in their places of worship. And this is just, this can just be labeled as scaremongering. Propaganda. Scaremongering the world. Scaremongering. When it, any Muslim activity scare the people, scare the people. So these were the contributions of the Muslims. They understood the verse of the Quran. Subhanallah al-Azim. And in the same article it says that gunpowder was first used by the Chinese. But the Chinese were only using it for fireworks. Because they did not understand how to use gunpowder for weapons. They did not understand they could not fix the right ingredients in its right proportion. And in that, in that article it says, what, what you have to do is uh, purify potassium nitrate. Potassium nitrate. Chemical compound, potassium nitrate. And no one in the world knew how to do that. The man who did that, again, the same scientist, Al-Hassan Al-Ramma. Who did he? What did he do? Hassan Al-Ramma showed the world for the first time in his book how potassium nitrate is uh, purified and, and gunpowder can be used for weapons. And that is why the BBC journalist Zain Adnan uh, has said that the Ottoman 
soldiers during the Ottoman Empire, Muslim soldiers were awesome. The firepower they had, nobody could stand in front of them. In fact, King Louis was bragging and he says, I have so much security that the Muslims can never come to me. And eventually because of the firepower and the right use of gunpowder, the Muslims actually imprisoned King, King Louis. They caught him and they put him in prison. This is in their history books. This is how powerful the Muslims were. So the first man again to purify, to show the world how gunpowder can be used as a weapon is who? A Muslim. Subhanallah And that is why they even say, and I have read this written by the Kufar. These are not Muslims. They say if it was not for the book written by Hassan al-Ramma, the world would have never ever discovered the use of cannon in military warfare. Cannon. Military warfare. Subhanallah. Allah give jazai khair to all of these great thinkers, thinkers Muslim science does. If you go to Fort Nelson Museum in London, Fort Nelson Museum in London, you will find this huge bronze 18 tons of cannon there. 18 tons of cannon, bronze. A huge cannon that is just there in the Fort Nelson Museum in the city of London. Just to ship this cannon in, in the museum in London, they had to cut it into two pieces and then to screw it back on. That's how heavy it was. They had to cut it into two pieces and then to screw it back on. Allahu Akbar. Now, this cannon, who did it belong to? Whose cannon was this? This cannon belongs to Sultan Mahmud. This cannon belongs to Sultan. And this cannon that was made for Sultan Mahmud was considered to be the most powerful weapon at that time. The most powerful weapon. In fact, if a cannonball was shot from that cannon, it is said that it would go further than the distance of one mile. Now, at that time, to cover more than a mile, that was something. And so the British pleaded to the Ottomans for 60 years, Kitnesan, 60 years, to please sell us this technology, sell us this cannon, so they have a prototype and they can make something, some other cannon similar to this. For 60 years. And Sultan Mahmud said, never. I will never sell you my our technology. This was Muslim technology. It was only later on when, Allah knows why, Sultan Abdulaziz came to visit Europe. Sultan, Sultan Abdulaziz came to visit Europe. And Queen Victoria personally, personally intervened and she said to Sultan Abdulaziz that please if you can sell us that cannon that belongs to Sultan Mahmud. And then he said no. But when he went back after one year, he did not even sell it. He, he gave it as a gift to the United Kingdom. He, mashallah. He gave it as a gift. Yes, mashallah. At least we have huh, some signs of, the, of absolutely Musaba. Yes, we'll take your mashallah. You're right. So we have this cannon that belongs to who? Muslims. What have not the Muslims done, my respected brothers? MashaAllah. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has explained this. That prepare yourselves, mashallah, against them in forces of strength. And then the Quran speaks, الخيل, In acquiring trained horses. Now the best means of conveyance at that time was a horse. Fast, swift, uh, horse has got uh, the right stamina, very strong. It covers a good distance, does not get tired. Ulama have mentioned in, in our days, this ayat-e-kareema, ribat al-khayl, covers sophisticated tanks and your Apache helicopters and all your helicopters and the F-16s and Allah knows all the air mites and the air power that is there, including the submarines. So when you talk about wamir ribat al-khayl of this verse of the Quran, it includes the submarine also. So Allah has explained in this beautiful verse, Surah Anfal, verse 60, what the Muslims have to do. And the reason for this, to have enough weapons, was not to terrorize people, was not to take advantage of your neighboring countries, no, but to defend yourselves, but to defend yourselves. These were strict conditions, subhanAllah, in the Sharia that need to be applied. And Allah says, if you have a military might, if you are in that capacity that this country is considered to be very strong in its uh, military power, in its uh, uh, weapons and arms, Allah says, تُرْهِبُونَ بِهِ عَدُوَ اللَّهِ وَعَدُوَكُمْ This will instill fear in the hearts of your enemies. Just give you an example now. Today, uh, we talk about this, the, the nuclear club, isn't it? The nuclear club. Uh, the powerful countries. Russia, and how can we forget the United States, UK, France, and China. These five countries officially have tried uh, their nuclear capabilities, and it's, it's all official. But talk about little Israel. In little Israel, you have seven nuclear installations. How many? Seven. Just in little Israel, you have seven nuclear installations. So when you are in that position of military might, it's very, very easy for you to bully your neighboring country. Because you have a bit of a muscle. You have muscles, military might. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, تُرْهِبُونَ بِهِ عَدُوَ اللَّهِ وَعَدُوَّكُمْ This is dunya that you live in. Yes, if you lift up your hands, Allah will help you. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you the brains, Allah has given you the mind. Huh? You can't all become just hafiz and grand scholars, uh, work on, on the subject of different sciences, mashallah, just like Hassan al-Ramma. Huh? And mashallah, contribute to the society. Contribute to the society. And it is about defending your country. It is about defending your country. MashaAllah, this is the teachings of the Qur'an on the subject of uh, Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala an. He was very, very careful. He knew uh, he would not risk the life of a single soldier. He would not risk the life of a single soldier. One Muslim, Allahu Akbar. This entire dunya is functioning because of one Muslim. Because of that one man who is saying, La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. Subhanallah. Someone came to me and he said to me, Can you tell me the definition of jihad? And I know what he was trying to get at. 
I said, well, the definition of jihad for we, the Muslims living in this country, if someone was to attack our beautiful country, England, uh, if somebody was to attack our beautiful country, England, and that attack can not be justified, of course, then it is considered to be jihad upon the Muslims to fight for their country. It is considered to be jihad to fight for the country. So we are British citizens and we are prepared to fight for our country, to defend yourselves. Nobody can just come to your house and say, right, get out, this house belongs to me now. So you have to defend your country. I said, this is also one definition of jihad. Jihad is about giving safety to all of humanity, not just Muslims. All of humanity. And I'm not going to repeat what I have already repeated, mashallah, in the many sessions before. We have covered this subject of jihad and how this system of jihad is for all of humanity, not just for the Muslims. It is about defending yourselves. That is why Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam, when he lived in Makkah, his people were tortured. And Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam had an army and the power to fight with the mushrikeen of Makkah. In fact, it was easier for him to fight in the same battleground, in the city of Makkah. But he chose not to. And he said, no. If you can't take the pain, then let us migrate. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam went to Madinatul Munawwara. But even in Medina, the people of Makkah did not want Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam to rest in peace. And they would come and they besieged the city of Madinatul Munawwara. And they attacked the city of Madinatul Munawwara, leaving no choice to Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam, but to defend the faith of the companions and to defend the city of Madinatul Munawwara. So there are a lot of explanation to all of the events that have occurred in the books of Islamic history. Insha'Allah ta'ala, Islam is a religion that provides the right answer for every question. Allah paak haraik wa tawfiq de wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma salli ala sayyidina wa nabiyyina wa maulana Muhammadin nabiyil umi wa ala alihi wa sallim taslima. Allahumma taqabbal minna wa tub alayna inna ka anta tawabur raheem. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Ya Allah, ya Rahman, ya Rahim. Ya Allah, hamara khatima bil khair ho. Allah, hamara khatima bil khair ho. Allah, tu hum se razi ho ja. Allah, tu hum se razi ho ja. Allah, hamari is majlis ko kabool farma. Allah, musalmanu ki madad farma. Allah, musalmanu ki madad farma. Allah, is mulk me deen islam ki darwa کو کھول دے اللہ اس ملک میں دین اسلام کے دروازے کو کھول دے اللہ مسلمانوں کی حالت پر رحم فرما اللہ ہمارا خاتمہ بالخیر ہو اللہ جو لوگ دنیا سے چلے گئے ان کی قبروں کو منور فرما اللہ تو ہم سے راضی ہو جا وصلی اللہ تعالی علی خیر خلقی محمد و علی و اصحابه و ازواجه و ذریاته و اہل بیت اجمعین برحمتک یا ارحم الراحمین